Welcome to the Codependent Me Podcast. I'm Tamara Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. I am your host, Tamala Shaw. Today, we have Heidi Savelle. I'm so very happy to have you with us today. Heidi, if you don't mind, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Tamala. I'm really happy to be here. So I am trained as a therapist, and I, I work now as a polyamory coach. So I work with um, couples, I work with individuals, and I, I do a lot of my work in small groups, doing small group coaching, um, supporting folks who are newer to polyamory to help them gain confidence, gain the education and the skills they need to be able to practice this type of relationship successfully, because it really is, um, it can be an amazing, empowering, loving uh, expansive relationship style. And yeah. it really requires a lot of skill, a lot of community support, and an actual um, kind of unlearning of yeah. some of the, the things that were that we learned through life about, you know, these narrow views of relationships. Yes. And so yeah. I find that folks need a lot of support around that. Um, and, and, you know, part of the reason that I'm so passionate about doing groups is because, I find that we learn best in community and to be surrounded by other people who are, we can say, oh my gosh, you're going through this too. Oh, I'm not alone. This feels so good. Mm -hmm. And so that synergy is just amazing that happens in a group setting. Absolutely. And that's, that's how it works. You know, once you've stepped into something, you'll realize I'm not alone. Yes. So there's other people that are interested and, you know, all of that. So I am when when we uh, reached out on Podmatch. Mm-hmm. When I read everything, I was like, "Oh yes, oh yes, yeah. this is phenomenal!" Like I told you earlier, um, you know, for me, it's you think relationships, like you said, most people they think that one on one, and you feel like that's difficult all by itself. So to add another person, it's like, whoa, 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 you know. So I know you have to have strong boundaries. I mean, same thing with you know the other relationships as well, but I'm sure that it's really something to have those boundaries, make sure that both people, you know, the others are feeling that love. Mm -hmm. There's no jealousy because, you know, that's, that's what I think about, you know, I'm like, would I be jealous? You know, Mm -hmm. how does that work? Mm -hmm. So if you could talk to us a little bit about, well, number, number one, what a polyamorous relationship is, yeah, for yeah. those in the audience that may not that may not know, and then we'll kind of go from there. Absolutely, yeah. So polyamory is both the practice and the philosophy of being able to have romantic, deep emotional love for more than one person at the same time, and it's in practice it is doing so with the knowledge and consent. That part's really important of all 
involved parties. So everyone knows what's happening. Everyone fully and enthusiastically consents and everyone is, is aware that there are multiple relationships happening. And, and, you know, folks who are polyamorous believe that it is absolutely possible to feel deep romantic love for multiple people. And that, that love loving more than one person doesn't diminish the love that they have for any one of their partners. And I like to say both the philosophy and the practice, because just like with monogamy, you know, I meet people who are single who are like, oh, I'm monogamous. And it's like, yeah, you know, you don't have to be in a monogamous relationship to know that that is your orientation. And so Mm -hmm. it's the same with polyamorous people. You may not have more than one partner, but you can still know, oh, I'm polyamorous. I have the capacity to love more than one person at a time. And, and I, you know, I have the, the expansiveness and the openness for that in my life. Love that. Okay. That's good stuff. I didn't see you, you again. This is, this is very new for me. So that's why I'm really wanting to step in to be able to understand and be compassionate for something that I don't uh, really know about. You know what I'm saying? So, Oh, I um, know exactly what you're saying. And I actually so love that approach. So thank you so much, because I, I think that this kind of relationship structure for a lot of people brings up a lot of threat and fear mm-hmm. and I I just love when people come with compassion and curiosity rather than judgment. Exactly. Absolutely. So questions for you. (laughs) Um, When you said you might be polyamorous, but you may not have multiple partners. Yeah. So there is an understanding between the two at that time that there may be multiple partners in that relationship. So how would they, how is it that it becomes multi-partners? Like what's the, what's the, the safest and most healthy way for two people that are willing to be in, in a polyamorous relationship? How should they approach that? Yeah. So I want to back that up just a little bit because, um, even the assumption there that when you're polyamorous, you're, you're in a relationship, you can be single and be polyamorous. There you go. Okay. So, but you know, so, so it's possible to be single and say, you know, and I'm polyamorous. I, you know, I plan to date and love multiple people, or Mm -hmm. you can be in a relationship and be polyamorous. So, so if you are in a dyad or like a couple relationship, um, there's, there's a couple ways that happens. So it may be that both of those people entered into the relationship already knowing they were polyamorous. So in my relationship, that, that was the case. I actually met my, my partner at a poly discussion group. We were both there and we met and we both had other relationships at the time and, you know, met and connected with one another. Mm -hmm. And at this point in time, for this little snapshot, neither of us have other partners, but our relationship has always been one where there's the understanding that there is the, the possibility. And sometimes there are other relationships, you know, um, Mm -hmm. the pandemic has kind of dampened that, but you know, the, there's been lots of times where, you know, my partners had other partners and I haven't, where I've had other partners and my partner hasn't. And there's been times where we both had other partners, 
But to answer your question, because I think what you might've been asking is what happens when there's a couple who are established together and neither of them have other relationships and they're talking about, do we want to open our relationship? Do we want to become polyamorous? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so in that instance, I think doing a lot of research is really important. I think when people first start, they're like, oh, let's get to the fun part. Let's just jump right in. Let's date lots of people. Let's start having sex. You know, like people want to get into like the juicy fun part and that can be really juicy and fun. And what makes it feel more fun and more safe and more stable Mm -hmm. is really doing the research first. So there's lots of, um, lots of educational material out there. There are great podcasts, there's books, there's, you know, Instagram folks to follow. There are groups like the one I run, which is called Steady Your Polywobbles, which is an eight-week small group coaching program for folks who are newer to this, who want to learn what are the pitfalls? What are the most common mistakes? What are the skills that I want to boost up so that I know that I'm doing this right, that I'm going to be good to myself and that I'm going to be good to the other people in my life who I decide to bring in. Because there's, as much as this is such an amazing um, relationship structure, there's a lot of possibility to hurt oneself and to hurt other people. Right. So my biggest thing is like, if there's a couple that's interested is do not rush into this, get some education and get involved in the community. I always say this and people don't like to hear that because they're like, well, can't we just date? Can't we just start dating right now? And I think, you know, get, get involved in the community, see what other people are doing, see how other people are doing it, make friends with people, start to like get real life examples of what this looks like when people are doing it instead of just what you imagine it looks like or what you see on TV. Yeah. And you said it was steady your polywobbles. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure the audience heard that. Yes. Okay. So I love that, that you're like, your suggestion is do your research. You have Instagram. I'm sure there's Facebook groups, there's podcasts, there's several different things that people can look into to ensure that you go into it. Again, the healthy route, right? That is wonderful. Okay. So I know that sometimes when you have poly relationships that there's some jealousy, there could be. How do you manage, how do you suggest people manage if jealousy comes up in a relationship? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think this is the biggest question that people have when they first get into this is like, how do I manage the jealousy? And I actually love the way you asked the question too, because some people say, well, how do you not get jealous? And that's the wrong question because of course jealousy is going to come up. You know, we're human. Jealousy is a normal human emotion. So I love the way that you framed it as how do you manage that jealousy? Because that's really what it's about. If people say, well, I just, you know, I don't want to feel jealous or how do I avoid jealousy? I always say, oh, like you can avoid it. Right. It's going to be there. Your body is your body. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. So really it's about how do you manage it? And um, for listeners who are interested, I actually, um, on my website, I have a free mini course called Unpacking Jealousy. And it's a, it's a five-day email that breaks down how to do this. And I'll give you kind of the snapshot summary now of 
of how to do that. And if folks want to learn more, they can check out that mini course. But essentially the way I break it down is jealousy has three layers and it's really important that we can recognize all three layers because we have to tend to our needs and address our jealousy on all three layers in order for us to really effectively manage it. So the first layer is our body response, which is exactly what you just said. Like, I feel it in my body. Like, you know, we got our bodies. So I I love that you brought that up because nervous system responds when we experience jealousy, that is real. So, and, and when our nervous system responds, there's that, you know, a lot of people have heard of the fight or flight response. That's part of what's happening is that we experience threat and our bodies don't know how to tell the difference between emotional threat and physical threat. And they actually respond the exact same way to both. And so we, you know, for some folks, their heart starts racing or, you know, their stomach clenches up. The other thing that happens when we experience that is that our blood flow to the parts of our brain that are involved in critical thinking, in empathy, in communication, the blood flow to that part of the brain gets limited. And so we're really losing access to a really important part of our brain. And this is why when people first experience jealousy, sometimes they might say or do things that they later really regret. Mm-hmm. And so part of how we interrupt this is recognizing that body response mm-hmm. and taking a step back, taking a beat and being like, how, how do I soothe this? How do I address this before I act, before I speak, before yes. I make any decisions? Mm-hmm. How do I soothe what's happening in my body right now? Absolutely important to acknowledge it and figure out what you're going to do with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So that is the first layer. And you know, I, I break down some of the skills that you can go into to address all that. The second layer is our emotions. And so what I like to say is that jealousy is both an emotion as well as a description, an umbrella term that captures a lot of emotions that we might experience. So when we are experiencing jealousy, we might be experiencing fear, mm-hmm. anger, hurt. Um, you know, we might be perceiving rejection. And so getting very clear on breaking it down beyond just saying I'm jealous into more descriptive, more specific feelings can be really helpful. And like you said, just saying it out loud and acknowledging it, and then even being able to bring some compassion to it. Because I think, especially in polyamory, people are like, oh, I'm experiencing jealousy and that's bad. I'm bad. I shouldn't do that instead of really being gentle and saying, oh yeah, that's, this is coming up for me. Can I offer myself some tenderness in this moment? Can I get curious about what I might be needing in this moment as I'm feeling this fear or this hurt or this longing? And again, I go into more detail about what to do once you break down those feelings. And then the final piece is our thoughts. So when we experience jealousy, we have a lot of thoughts. And I really like to go back to the saying, don't believe everything you think. Because when we get jealous and when that nervous system gets activated, sometimes our thoughts will carry us on all kinds of wild stories. I see you nodding. You know what I mean? Yes. So you know, that jealousy may lead to thoughts of my partner doesn't love me anymore. They like this other person more. They're going to leave me. 
you know, all these thoughts that come up. And so recognizing, oh, these thoughts may not actually align with reality. These thoughts are a response to the strong feelings I'm having and a response to that nervous system activation. And so learning how to recognize when our thoughts start to run away from us, as well as then really thinking about how do I rein those thoughts back in? How do I gently challenge those thoughts and start to think about what are more what would be more helpful thoughts? What are more realistic thoughts in this moment? Can I ground myself in what I know to be true instead of the stories that I'm running away with? Exactly. Oh, I love that. And you're right. When you have those thoughts, you it doesn't matter what you're thinking in your head, it's real, right? Yes. It's like, no, this is real. Absolutely. And it may not be. So that communication and all of that with your partner is very, very important. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you have jealousy. So let's talk about boundaries. What boundaries should people look at if they're in a polyamorous relationship? Yeah, I um, I love talking about boundaries. Boundaries is like my favorite topic. So first of all, I want to distinguish, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding um, even in the polyamory community around um, what boundaries are and what they are not. So I like to distinguish between three different things that I think people um, get confused. There are boundaries, there are rules, and there are agreements. And those are all distinct things. So let me start with a rule because I think that's what most people think of when they say boundaries. So a rule is basically like, here is what is allowed and not allowed. Here's what you can do. Here is what you can't do. It's kind of this rigid dictate around, you know, you can do this, you can't do this. These are the allowable and not allowable things. And rules are the thing that people most want to go to when they first start polyamory relationships. And I have a lot of compassion for it because I think people like rules because they're simple and people believe that it will bring them safety to have rules. And what I find is that that doesn't always play out in that way. What often happens is rules are so rigid that people can get very caught up in, did you follow the rule or did you not follow the rule? And what did you do and what did you not do? And so there's a lot of hypervigilance that gets invited as part of setting up rules. The other piece is that because rules are rigid, there's no room for negotiation. There's no room for like a, hey, how does this work for you? Are there ways in which this works for you? Are there ways in which this doesn't work for you? Does this feel realistic to what you're wanting out of our arrangement? And that's where I think agreements come in. So agreements, which are different from rules, are an understanding that two or more people come to in which everyone negotiates, everyone talks about what they want and don't want, and they come to an agreement that feels like it works for everyone. And here's where it's really distinct from rules. Agreements can be renegotiated. So you... And, and I'm not saying renegotiated where you call someone up and say, hey, I know we agreed to this, but I'm changing it right now. What I mean is sitting down and saying like, hey, I know we came up with this agreement, but now I'm kind of feeling like I'm not so sure this works for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that happened um, with me at one point, a partner and I decided, you know what, we've had so many, every time we try to date someone who is completely new to polyamory, it just seems to like blow things up. And we're, you know, dealing with crises with this other person and we're teaching, doing a lot of teaching and that doesn't feel good. So maybe let's, you know, let's just agree that we're not going to engage with people who are new to polyamory. 
And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, my partner had a, a close friend who was like, Hey, we've always had a spark between us. I kind of want to explore this, but I have no experience with polyamory. And so my partner came to me and said, you know, I'm not sure this agreement totally makes sense anymore. Like I want to explore this with this person. And, and, you know, I know we said this thing and what we had in mind when we said it was people we didn't know. And, you know, I really want to explore this. And I'm, I'm just not feeling that this agreement really is like working for me. And so we sat down and we renegotiated and I was like, you're right. You know, we had something in mind when we made that agreement and at the time it made sense and it doesn't seem like it's making sense anymore. So let's revisit that. And so that was an example of a time we got to just renegotiate what the agreement was. I love it because there's a, there's gotta be a lot of communication. Yes. Lots and lots and lots of communication. Yes. So much. So go ahead. So then there's boundaries. Yes. You ready for me to jump into boundaries? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So boundaries are different from rules and agreements in that boundaries are about, I'm going to use just me as an example. Boundaries are about me. They're not about my partners. They're not about other people. They're about me. They're about my limits. They're about what I need to do to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use a simple example that doesn't necessarily have to do with polyamory, but let's say that, you know, I really don't like being yelled at. It activates my nervous system. It makes me feel small. It diminishes me. And then I I feel like my communication skills break down. So I don't like being yelled at. If I were to make it a rule, the rule would be, you're not allowed to yell at me. I could make that rule, but then what happens when someone does yell at me? I've said it's a rule and now they're breaking the rule. And now what do I do? So when it's a boundary, what I'm saying is I don't, I am not okay with people yelling at me and I will not engage in a conversation where yelling is happening. And so here's the key part that when it comes to a boundary, there is a reinforcement piece. And so the reinforcement piece is just so you know, because this is my boundary, if you start to yell at me in a conversation, what I'm going to do is remove myself from that conversation in order to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So you see what's happening is I'm not telling anyone else what they can or can't do. I'm saying what my limits are and what I will do to protect that limit and to protect myself. That's good. That's very good. So, okay. Rules agreements and boundaries. So to, to use a specific polyamory example, to talk about boundaries, one thing where this one place where this really comes up is around sexual health and safety. So an example of that is I, I really sexual health and safety is very important to me. So if I'm going to sexually connect with other people, there are certain sexual safety practices that are important to me. So I want to know that folks are using barriers with their partners and that they'll use barriers with me. Um, I want to know that they're getting tested regularly and that they're communicating openly and honestly, those test results with me and with their other partners. And I want them to communicate to me what other partners they have and what their risk factors are. And so that is my boundary. So I'm not forcing anyone else to do that. I'm not saying, Hey, you have to do that. I'm saying that's my boundary. If that's not something you're okay with, that's fine. You have your own practices. 
I won't, I will choose in order to protect my own bodily autonomy and my own safety, I will choose not to sexually connect with you if that's not something that you're okay with. So again, not controlling anyone else, but really talking about this is my boundary and this is what I do to protect myself and to uphold that boundary. Yes, I love that. So I have questions about, okay, so you have yourself, you have your partner, you may have multiple other partners as well as your partner will as well. Okay, so everyone is poly. So my question is, do you ever, because you know, of course, I may hear of, say, three to four people living in one house. Yeah. So what does that look like? Well, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there are different ways that that happens. I think in popular culture, the way that it's most often portrayed is that everyone's dating everyone and that can happen and it does happen. Okay. But that's not always how it is. Um, And, and often, you know, what, what I find is that when people first start, they say, well, we just want to triad. We want to find one other person and we all want to date each other. Mm-hmm. And while I understand how that can be really tempting, both because it's what's shown in popular culture and people have this idea of, oh, well, then there won't be jealousy because we're all involved. What actually happens is that's a very complicated and very <laughs> high level skill set to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I do not recommend, and most people do not recommend that, that folks start out that way because it's got, it's a lot of complexity because it's not just a three-way relationship. It's three separate relationships or four really it's, so it's person A and B it's person B and C it's person C and A, right? Am I? Yes. Yes. Uh, Yes. A and B, A and C, C and B. Yeah. And then A, B, and C, right? Right. Yes, exactly. You're exactly right. That's exactly where I was going. So that's a lot of different relationships to be managing. It's possible. And some people do it really successfully and have very stable, loving relationships. But that is why with all of those different connections you're managing, that is a higher level skill. That is like advanced polyamory. So it's not something I recommend people start out with. Okay. But when folks live in a house, they might live, so I I have a close friend who lives in a house with her two partners, and they have a V configuration, which means that she is dating both of her partners, but they're not dating one another. Okay, okay. But they all, they all share a home together. And, you know, they, they're not a closed system. Some people choose to have a closed system, but they're not. So they also date other people. Okay. But in that living arrangement, that's, that's what they do and what works for them. So there's so many different ways that it can look when folks live together, but living together is a really valid option for a lot of folks in polyamory. And, And what I find is that it can be, it can be really supportive because folks can share resources you know, they can pool, they, you know, rent can be cheaper. They can pool their resources. They can share childcare where there's more, you know, there's more folks, more loving adults in the house to help raise children. So there's lots of ways that people make this work that, that can be really beautiful and really supportive of like a community feel. This has been so good. I mean, 
because you've you've brought so much to light for me. You know, you you don't have to be in a relationship to be poly. You can be yeah. single. Yeah. You know, it you don't have to in my head it was three or more individuals together at all times. That's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so this I, I love this. So if anyone in the audience would like to have more information, where can they find you to talk to you about it? So I can be found on my website is sheloves.radically.com. And that's where they can sign up for that jealousy mini course. Mm -hmm. And they can also learn more about how to work with me. And then on Instagram, I'm putting out new content all the time over there. So I'm at, at sheloves.radically on Instagram as well. Excellent. Excellent. So if anyone in the audience is thinking about having a poly relationship, what do you feel as though, I know they should do research, um, but what's the most important thing that you feel they should understand before moving in that direction? Hmm, such a good question. Take your time. Oh gosh, it's hard to pick just one. Well, well, hey, several, whatever you want yeah. to say is good. <laughs> yeah. I think the most helpful thing that, that I wish someone had told me in the beginning was remain curious, stay curious and don't let fear overcome your curiosity. And when I say remain curious, I mean, not just about polyamory, but about your own emotional experience. Let's say that you have a big jealous response. Instead of thinking, I'm jealous, I have to shut this down. Start getting curious. Huh? What's, why is this coming up for me? What, what is this about? What, what is triggering this? How can I look at this differently? Or, you know, if your partner is having a different kind of response or a different kind of relationship, being curious about, huh, I wonder, I wonder what that's about. I wonder what's happening for them. The other piece that I wish someone had told me in the beginning is that shame and judgment will not help you change your behavior. So in the beginning, I really, every time I messed up or acted out of a place of jealousy, I would then kind of catalog in my head all the ways I had been bad at polyamory and done it wrong. And I would just shame myself and really say like, that was bad, Heidi, do it differently next time. And I wish I could go back and say, that is not how you create behavior change. You can't shame yourself into being better at polyamory. And I'm using big air quotes when I say that. <laughs> and that it is about gentleness and compassion and curiosity and being open to learning new skills. Excellent. 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 So I have just, this has been wonderful. <laughs> and I hope that, you know, if, if there's anybody in the audience that like you said, if they have these feelings and, and, you know, another thing that may come up for people is they feel as though, you know, a poly relationship isn't quote unquote, I'm using air quotes as well, normal, you know, to not shame yourself into not looking into it. There yeah. are so many different ways to have a healthy relationship that that was one of my biggest reasons for wanting. I was so excited to have this podcast because we talk about healthy relationships, but we close our mind on what that may look like. Mm, yes. Right? 
So I want people to be able to open their minds on what is healthy for you. Yeah. It's about no matter, how can I say this? No matter how many people, no matter the structure, there's a way to do things in a healthy manner. And that's why it was very important for me to talk to you so that we could talk about the rules, the agreements, the boundaries, because not only should you have those in a poly relationship, they should be in all relationships, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. This Heidi has been phenomenal. (laughs) Yes. I've had such a nice time and I just want to thank you so much for having me on. I just so appreciate your curiosity and your open-hearted and open-minded approach. And I just want to give you so much gratitude for that and for having me on. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and be open. I mean, this is, this is what it's about, you know? And as I, you know, say on all my podcasts, you matter and your story matters. So thank you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. All right. So uh, good people. She loves radically.com. You can find her on Instagram. Go get that paperwork about boundaries. Jealousy. Jealousy. Ah, I had it written. I had it written next to each other. I was like, which one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unpacking jealousy. And again, I don't think that you have to just be in a poly relationship to go grab it. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I always say that. I'm like, you know what? Monogamy is also a really valid way of being in relationship. And these skills apply to everyone. Yes, absolutely. So everybody get out there and check Heidi out. She is phenomenal. She is really out here changing and doing, you know, great work. I thank you. I honor you. And until next time, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Codependent Me podcast. Have a fantastic day. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time. So thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me. And check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.